0: Hello, and welcome to Perspectives, a podcast by the Public Health Review, a graduate student-led online peer-reviewed open-access public health journal published by the University of Minnesota Libraries. My name is Caroline Sell, and I'm the 2019 podcast editor of Perspectives. Thank you so much for joining us and engaging in our public health conversations. In this episode, we wanted to highlight a student researcher in public health. We talked with Richie Sue a Master's of Public Health student in Epidemiology at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health. He recently conducted a qualitative research project in China regarding HIV in men who have sex with men, so we were excited to learn more about his research. Here's our interview. Can you tell listeners your name, your educational background, and your primary research interests?
1: Yeah, of course. So my name is Richie and I am a second year MPH epi student. Um, And I did my undergrad in public health and also in economics. Uh, And my main research interests are in infectious disease at B as it relates to health equity and informing better and more um, effective prevention programs. Um, And I'm also interested in um, applying principles of economics to inform health policy.
0: Can you talk a little bit about your most recent research um, this past summer and how you became interested in doing this
1: research? Yeah, definitely. So my research over the summer was based in Guangzhou, China, um, and it was a formative assessment of online health information uh, among Chinese men who have sex with men. So I had Dr. Kumi Smith on as a preceptor for that project. And basically the motivation for that project was that we found that a lot of young gay men in China have this gap in health information uh, sources, On the one hand, there are these um, online forums and their own social networks, of course, um, to talk about things related to sex and sexual identity development. But on the other hand, we have like these overly medical sources of information in the literature that is just inaccessible to them. So we're really trying to identify what are the needs? uh, What is that middle ground?
0: and how did you become interested in doing this research yeah
1: so i um i've always done work with the lgbtq plus organization even um, during my undergrad um, and while working before i started grad school so through extracurriculars and volunteer work Um, but i've never actually thought about doing like research for gender sexual minorities until i got here so i knew i was always interested in infectious disease but it's kind of hard to find i guess faculty that work in that area where it's more social behavioral versus like biological, ideological.
0: For listeners who might not be as familiar with this area of public health, how Mm -hmm. would you describe some of the main concerns surrounding um, health information around STDs um, for this population, Mm -hmm. specifically in China?
1: Yeah, yeah. So to start, I think I should acknowledge that China has made a lot of progress um, in HIV prevention and treatment in the past decade. Um, and we can see that because a smaller proportion of people who are infected with HIV, or the portion that is transmitted non-sexually, is diminishing. But despite like all these government efforts for free testing, and I even read a program about um, antiretroviral therapy coverage, there are still a growing proportion of um, sexually transmitted infections going on, um, and that growing proportion is among gay men. So I think I searched this up. In twenty eighteen, there was like a fourteen percent increase. Um, So a lot of this has been cited. um, So a lot of sexuality education and sexual health, just being a taboo topic, has been cited as a barrier to connecting people to the prevention side as opposed to the treatment side. So you can also imagine like things like same sex behaviors are stigmatized, and that often connects with like HIV related stigma. Um, So. Living in China, depending on where you are, it might be kind of dangerous to expose yourself as a person of sexual minority or as a person with HIV if you're trying to seek out this kind of information.
0: So, what have been some of the biggest surprises that you found while doing this research? Uh huh.
1: Yeah. So, um, I think while we were working with the local community-based organization um, to recruit participants and to really do outreach. Uh, we were very surprised by the amount of support we got from our interview participants. They were really eager to be even more involved than the two-hour interview that we had them do. They were willing to, you know, share some very personal stories um, of their challenges, and they even provided feedback for our future interviews. And they just expressed a lot of support for the kind of work we're doing, which um, shows that there's this, you know, demand um, for health information that's relevant to them, um, and also. I know we also always talk about like MSM as this, this homogenous like group, but we sampled like across a range of ages, income, and education. Um, so we were really able to get a sense of different perspectives and the diversity of challenges that this um, so-called you know, MSM group is facing. And I think on another note, as part of our research, we also did what we called contextual observations so we recruited people online and also in person and the in-person recruitments were in public spaces so one place we went to was a public park and in this area of the park um, it was known to be frequented by gay men and we just kind of observed the social and physical environment around that area and i was surprised by the amount of law enforcement presence that was there so that just makes me think how these organizations doing work like condom distribution can be hampered by that kind of environment and the limiting of safe spaces that gay men can feel safe to gather.
0: Could you just describe a little bit more about what exactly your research activities entailed while you were in China?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it so it's a formative assessment, so qualitative research. We developed with the help of the um, with some colleagues at the China Southern Dermatology Hospital there, uh, where we were. Um, I guess stationed. We developed an interview guide, um, making sure that it was field tested and culturally appropriate for um, the people we were interviewing. We also worked with this local community-based organization to do recruitment. So they have an online WeChat account um, where they could blast our recruitment message to, you know, um, their their followers. I guess, um, and then as I mentioned, we did in-person outreach. So. They have weekly um, HIV-STD screening clinics, um, and we would be there to talk to people and also just to share like, what our project was about, and they would have like, information, questions about uh, you know, where we were from, like what kind of information that was available to us that may not be available to them. Um, so yeah, I think it was like, a variety of activities, but ultimately the main core of it was doing this like two-hour formative assessment. Um, That touched upon their sexual identity, their um, knowledge of HIV STD prevention, um, their experiences coming out, um, and their like current pain points, I guess, uh, with online information. Yeah. And as part of that interview, we also had like a, um, I guess, like a simulation in-person web search activity where we gave them a scenario and they searched up, tried to search up that scenario online. Um, so that we could get some real-time feedback on what their challenges were.
0: You mean in searching for information Yeah, online. exactly. Yep. Great. So looking forward after this research, mm-hmm. what does the future of HIV um, in this population look like right now, and mm-hmm. what are the biggest challenges you think public health practitioners are facing, um, and then what are, would be some of the best solutions for addressing these challenges?
1: Yeah, um, so I think at least in major metropolitan areas, China has the adequate resources for HIV treatment, um, and obviously they have you know, resources for testing, so they're not a resource-poor country. Um, but I think the challenges lie in linking people with uh, the prevention continu- continuum, so that means like getting people tested, um, counseling, education, um, risk reduction, so that kind of thing. Um, and I think the main challenge is like when you're reaching this population that's conventionally excluded from um, healthcare settings, so people like intravenous drug users, uh, transgender people, they, it can be challenging because of barriers like stigma and the criminalization of sex workers, for instance. Um, so I think, I mean, as far as solutions go, I don't think I'm an expert in this topic at all, but I think the best solutions would require um, working with organizations that are already uh, positioned and have garnered the trust of the LGBTQ plus community there. Um, and also just to recognize that we tend to see needs, like the negatives, as researchers, but I think we also need to recognize the resources and the existing solutions that can be leveraged in that area. A lot of the motivation for my research was we felt that too often we come into like a community as like outsiders and then trying to impose an intervention from the top down um, when we really should be like listening to what the community wants and not like I guess stereotyping that HIV is like the only problem among gay men.
0: And were you able to <laughs> um, access those communities in a way that they felt comfortable with telling you what they wanted? Yeah
1: yeah I, I would say so. Um, like I mentioned, we got a very diverse group of people, and um, some of the participants we got, um, I was actually surprised that they, they wanted to meet up with us, to be honest. Um, some of them had families, um, and some of them um, are quite, you know, are still in the closet. Um, it was much easier to reach, you know, the youth uh, who were more, I guess, uh, the higher educated, the more open minded. Um, but it was more difficult reading, uh, reaching as you can imagine, people who are of lower income, the older gay men, um, and so on. But we did our interviews in the um, local community-based organization's office, um, so we made sure that they felt safe. I mean, like just small things like providing snacks, give, you know, chatting with them for ten minutes, um, seeing them as people and not study subjects. You know, um, that made a huge difference.
0: And can you talk a little bit about the partner organizations that you worked with and how Mm -hmm. your work and research supports them and how you guys collaborated with both the research you were doing and the results?
1: Yeah, definitely. So there are two organizations that we worked with primarily. Um, So the first one, as I mentioned earlier, was the China Southern Dermatology Hospital. Uh, But I should preface that by saying that um, in China, STD, HIV has been associated with... um, skin care condition, so it falls within the same branch as dermatology, um, just so our viewers out there, our listeners out there know. Um, but we were working with that organization and also the local community-based organization that does LGBTQ plus advocacy work, um, and their name is Zitong LGBT Center. Um, they mainly helped us with recruitment uh, and also just inviting us to their um, regular outreach events so that we can do in-person recruitment. Um, And basically, um, the hospital we worked with have a whole HIV surveillance unit um, and also a team within the hospital that is connected to the University of Northern Carolina. Um, And I believe, I don't know too much about the group, but I believe that uh, one of their projects has to do with um, employing this idea of crowdsourcing to inform um, HIV prevention interventions. So, you know, prevention and surveillance of HIV and just LGBTQ health is, a, is you know, the, the, the goal that we all have in common. Um, so I think our research and what we could bring to the table is really from, I guess, from the grassroots level, um, hearing what people had to say and how this information can inform um, ultimately a better Health education resource for them.
0: So, why would you say that um, these very specific issues of mm-hmm. HIV in this very particular population of men who have sex with men in this very particular country of China? Um, why are why is this something that everyone, not just public health professionals, and mm-hmm. at that public health professionals, you know, in China? Um, should be concerned about why is it something that everyone who is listening to this podcast could um, Relate with
1: hmm Yeah, definitely um, So it's it's an important topic because well one um, HIV I saw has been cited by the WHO as um, One of the 2019 top 10 threats to global health um, So reaching this population and connecting them to the healthcare continuum um, is obviously a topic of international attention um but like from the regular you know average person standpoint it's important to recognize that hiv stds is not a problem just among the gay community and as i mentioned earlier hiv is also not the only concern among um the gay community so for instance taking a step back um a lot of the participants that i talked to they were they actually mentioned that they wanted more positive public portrayals of gay men in the community and just kind of the assurance that they can live a happy healthy life so this goes beyond like sexually transmitted diseases and i just think a disproportionate um uh, the the specific group having a disproportionate amount of hiv incidence is really a issue of health equity um so you know that's that's connected to like poverty and education and the physical and social environments uh stuff like that and i think Although we talk about like the specific community, the specific issue, um, barriers like stigma in the healthcare setting or a lack of an inclusive um, sex education curriculum uh, and the role of um, modern dating apps in, in, for our health um, like Tinder and Hinge, um, I think these are really universal trends that can be applied to other countries um, that go beyond you know, China.
0: Um, can you maybe talk also a little bit more about you said that you mm-hmm. studied economics and yeah. you want to talk like connect all of this back to health equity. So yeah, yeah. you talked a little bit about how HIV mm-hmm. in this particular population, you know mm-hmm. it's important for the education and the health promotion. but can you maybe talk a little bit more about the economic side that you learned from your research?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, my research didn't really go into the, I want to say the quantitative aspect of it. But I think just from my personal interests, I would be really interested in quantifying the costs of like stigma in the healthcare setting. Um, And I think, you know, when you're talking about policy or like just informing public policy change, um, I think policymakers care about that number um, as opposed to emotions. (laughs) So that's, that's, you know, my uh, maybe a a project down the line for me.
0: and yeah how yeah. how do you see mm-hmm. your research in this continuing
1: um so right now it's, it's still ongoing um so we did most of our data collection in china um, and all, we also had the interviews transcribed um, but right now we are doing translation and i'm completely new to the qualitative research world um, and I, i'm really underestimating how much effort and how much time it takes um, but we are doing translation and then after that we are gonna do maybe some like some brainstorm sessions to develop a code book and really to identify what are the overarching themes. Um, and yeah, and after we write up our results, we hope to share it back with the organizations and the participants. Yeah,
0: just another question, um, maybe not very specific on the topic, but just mm-hmm. as a as a general um, maybe advice um, from your pr- perspective as mm-hmm. a student researcher, you know, working on. Um, this while you're in your master's program, what advice would you give to students who want to do some kind of global health research, who want mm-hmm. to go to another country that maybe involves speaking another language and, um, you know, putting together kind of all those qualitative aspects that, you know, you you learned on the job?
1: Right, yeah, definitely. I think, I think a lot of it is, um, I think a big deterrent, I want to say, uh, from be- doing global health research um, is accessing the resources. Um, I think it's really, um, I guess you have to find like the right faculty that will support you through this process and also financially like applying for grants and funding. Um, I I applied to several grants and got my project funded that way through the U. Um, But I think my advice would actually just be like uh, going out there and applying for it because I find that there's actually a lot of resources for global health research for students um, even if we are not at the I'm a master's student so even if we're not at the PhD level and I think also just having a solid research question in mind um, and I think the faculty that you work with can help you develop that.
0: Is there anything else that um, we maybe touched on but didn't expand enough or something else you'd like to add to clarify?
1: I did want to acknowledge that even though I'm not, I'm just talking about this research as my research, I actually have, you know, a lot of help from the organizations and Dr. Kumi Smith, and I also have a colleague, Xiaoyan um, Sharon Jin, um, who is an MS student at the Health Resources, or not Health Research Policy and Administration program, uh, and she did the interviews with me as well, so I had a lot of help for this project, and it was like a, much bigger undertaking than I thought it'd be. Um, So none of this would be possible without the team. Um, So yeah, I just want to extend my gratitude to them.
0: Thank you so much, Richie, for taking the time to speak with us. We hope that providing the student-researcher highlight provides our listeners with new or better understandings of the broad range of issues being discussed in public health, particularly in these sorts of under-researched communities. Thanks for listening to this episode of Perspectives. We'd like to extend a big thank you to our featured guests for taking the time to speak with us and share their expertise with our listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to check out the other episodes of this podcast, as well as our journal publications. You can find all this and more at our website, z.umn.edu pubhealthreview. Thank you again for listening to Perspectives.